0: Would you tell him that he's good this morning? May Christ be exalted in this place. In Jesus' name, you may be seated this morning. Here in a few moments, I will read pastor's text. I mean, it's in Colossians 1, if you're curious. But before we do that, and before we get into God's word this morning... I'm going to take a few moments just to share a couple things with you as your student pastor here at the palace. First, I don't want to just assume that everyone in the room knows me. I know that not everyone does if you don't know me. My name is Zach Baugus. I have a beautiful wife. She's on the front row, row over there. Her name is Amy. We've been married over eight years, and we have a beautiful son. His name is Owen. He is two years old, and he is a bundle of joy, and he's a good-looking dude if I say so myself. Um, I've been going to church here since I was 15 years old. And I've been the student pastor here um, since June 1st of 2015, the year of our Lord 2015. What a year! And it has been awesome. Um, so, I'm the, the the youth pastor over Next Level Youth, and we are specifically for students ages seventh through twelfth grade. Uh, and today, I just want to take a few moments to talk to you about who we are, uh, what we're about, and then some changes you'll be seeing in the soon coming future. Um, So these things I'm about to tell you, this is who Next Level is. This is what we're aiming for. This is who we strive to be. This is why we do what we do. I just want to tell you our vision quickly. At Next Level Youth, our vision is this. First, we want students to know God. John 17, 3, Jesus is praying for us. And he's saying, I want people, I want the people of this world to know you, God, like I know you. And that's our prayer over every student. Now, I do realize, unfortunately, not everyone who hears the gospel, not everyone who is prodded by the Holy Spirit accepts Jesus Christ and goes to God. Is that our goal? Of course it is. But I tell my students this, I tell my leaders this, at minimum, our goal is for every student who comes to a youth service or an event, our goal is this, that students at least have a knowledge, at least know it leave that place knowing that there is a God and the hope is they also know that he loves them so that's what we're aiming for how do we do that we don't just want to say that's what we're aiming for we want to do something to make it happen right i just want to give you some insight on wednesdays at five thirty before service we have students come in students and pray over service welcoming the holy spirit we also have students They serve on an atmosphere team, that's what we're called. We set the atmosphere for the Holy Spirit and for people. Every student that walks in is welcome to next-level youth. We have a student-led worship team every Wednesday night who sing biblical songs, not songs that are about us or glorify us or focus on us. Instead, songs that focus on the glory and the goodness and the power and the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we do. We preach the word of God. That's the goal. We do a lot of other things to achieve that goal. We have life groups, we have events, we have our spring retreat, we do all kinds of things and are all pushing towards this goal of students knowing God. The second thing, we want students to find family at Next Level Youth. You hear this read at Connect Track when we have a a graduation every time. Melody reads Ephesians 2, 19 19 through 22. Go read it for yourself. That's what we're aiming for because following God is not meant to be done alone. If you're trying to follow God on your own, you're doing it wrong. And so we do everything we can to cultivate, to be this culture of family where we're striving with one another to pursue Christ Jesus. That's what we're aiming for. And the third thing, we want students to grow together. That's our goal. Now, we want students to grow in their faith individually. But that can't be done alone. We can't. That can't be done alone at all. It's not meant to be done alone. And we also want, as students grow in their faith, we want to see the kingdom of God expand as well. And I believe the best way to expand the kingdom is to see students grow in their faith. And the byproduct of that is that the kingdom of God expands. That's the healthy way. That's the best way it works, according to God's word. And we sum all this up with our motto, and our motto is this, our motto is growing in Christ together. That's what we're about, that's what we do, that's who we are, that's what we're aiming for. Are we there yet? No, but that's what we're striving for. And I've been in prayer over 2023 for the past few months, and these past couple years have been tough. I'm just gonna be honest with you, they've been difficult, they've been hard, they've been stressful, they've been overwhelming. Um, And I've, by the grace of God, These past few months, I'm just being really transparent with you. God has spoken to me clearer than I've heard him in a long time. A long time. I'm just being real. About Next Level Youth and about where we're going specifically, that's what I mean today. And in prayer, the phrase that I heard in my spirit is this. It's not original. I didn't come up with it. But I heard for 2023, what we need to do as Next Level Youth is to grow deeper so we can grow wider. To grow deeper so we can grow wider. If we want everything that God has for us, if we want to see God's kingdom built, we have to be healthier, we have to be deeper in our, in our faith so we can support the wider. Because God is calling us to the wider. God is calling us to see the lost saved. And he is coming. Yes, I heard someone say that. So we are aiming for this. We're going to grow deeper in our worship. We're going to grow deeper in God's word. We're going to have deeper experiences and encounters with the Holy Spirit. We want to have deeper conversations. We want to have deeper community. That's what we're aiming for. Now, I want to talk to you briefly just about how we're going to do that. Some things that are going to be happening, you're not going to necessarily see with your eyes as a parent or a church, perhaps visibly, but I pray that you see the fruit of it. But there is something we're gonna change starting January 4th, 2023 that you will see that is visible, that does affect us all. Um, God's been pulling me honestly this way for a long time. On Wednesday night, we have previously met from six o'clock to seven o'clock for youth. But starting January 4th, 2023, we're gonna expand that time and we're gonna start going for an hour and a half from six to 7.30 every Wednesday night. And the purpose and the goal of this is not just more time, although it is. It's to cultivate all those things that I previously tried to show you what we're aiming for. And when we do this, when we expand, it's not the whole church expanding. It's just us as a youth group. It gives us a lot more opportunity because I'm just going to be honest with you. If you're over there, if you're a student or if you're a leader, if you've been over there, an hour is pushing it. An hour is difficult to achieve what God wants us to achieve on a Wednesday. So this 30 minutes gives us an opportunity for deeper worship. To go deeper in God's word, that doesn't necessarily mean preaching longer. Amen. Deeper experiences, deeper conversation. That's what we're aiming for. That's what we're striving for. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I really believe you're going to see visible results from this as God's kingdom expands. And I believe and I pray that your students' faith is going to grow and deepen in this season as well. I will tell you, every Wednesday night we will have a formal dismissal at 7.30. If God's moving, people can continue to stay and pray as they always do and students can still stay and hang out as they do every Wednesday night but we will be having dismissal at 7.30 why am I telling you this? So you know as a parent if your student's still in the youth room it's because they chose to be there. Okay? I want you to know that from my heart. We will dismiss there. Last thing, closing remarks I'll make is this. The mantra of my life, at the end of my life, I want my life song to, to be something like this. This is my heart, this is what I'm about. Just song that says, I want to see the earth start shaking. I wanna see a generation finally waking up inside If you look around, it might seem dark, but I'm telling you something, people are hungry. Why do you think things are the way they are? People are hungry for something more and we've got the answer. And now's the time, this is the time, this is the season, it's time for the church to get healthy, because if we're not, we're not ready for what God wants us to do. And that's what God's put on my heart for Next Level Youth. I'm looking forward to it. I want more than just a feeling, more than just a season. I want to become what I believe in and I want our youth group to become what we believe in. In closing, I'm going to tell you this. We're having a Christmas dinner today for all students 7th to 12th grade in the Metro or after service. They're welcome to come and stay. I hope they can. If you want to know what's happening Next Level Youth, follow us on social media. Go to Facebook, like us. Go to Instagram, follow us. We post all the time. We tell you what we're doing, what's going on. We also give verbal announcements every Wednesday night. If your student doesn't know what's going on, it's because they're not listening. And last but not least, you can see what we're doing at Next Level Youth on our calendar. It's on the church calendar. So every event we have, everything we do, all the way from a life group to summer group to spring retreat, whatever it is, it's all on the church calendar. You can see it right there. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact me, call me, email me, whatever it may be. Let's read pastor's text this morning. I thank you for your time. I thank you for your support. And I appreciate your prayers. And I am greatly expecting and knowing that God's going to do powerful things next year. And in the years to come, the best is yet to come, church. In Jesus' name. Colossians 1. Praise God. Lord is good Colossians 1 12 through 17 this is what it says you can be seated it's okay you can be seated for the reading of the word today give thanks unto the father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood even the forgiveness of sins Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things. And by him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence, for it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence that's in this place. And I pray you'd speak to us through your word and through our pastor today. We give you praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. Isn't it awesome to have a youth pastor that's got a vision, got a burden, and he's uh, he's working that vision and he's following after that. Without a vision, people perish. And I'm so thankful for Brother Zach and his leadership for our youth program, and we sure support him. And before I get into the sermon, I want to uh, want you to be praying for the Don Forsyth family. Sister Donna Forsyth went to be with the Lord yesterday morning, or just or last night actually. And we want you to be praying for them. Uh, we'll give you the arrangements out on the internet as soon as we know them. Uh, they'll be going to the funeral home tomorrow to make arrangements, and I know that the funeral we're going to try to have it here at the church. So we we'll please just be uh, watching that and we'll try to get the word out as soon as possible. This morning, I wanna to try to give you an encouraging word. How many want an encouraging word? Every time you turn on the news, we're getting so much, you just can't even hardly watch the news anymore. It just so upsets you to see that, it just looks like that wickedness prevails. When you look at the news, it just seemed like the evil and the evil men get by with everything and the people that are trying to do right are being targeted and they're being persecuted and they're being pushed back and some of them even imprisoned and some of them even being brought up on trials and just trying to stand up for what is right. And you get so tired of watching the injustices and the things that has taken place. And sometimes we Christians, we sit back and we pray and we pray and we pray. We pray over our, our leadership and we pray over our country and we pray over our president and we pray over the Congress and we pray over the Senate and then you have votes that just seem like why why isn't things changing? We're praying, we're we're seeking the Lord and you just wonder what in the world is going on. Well, I hope today that I can somehow give you a little bit of encouragement. Matter of fact, Brother Zach preached a marvelous passage, a marvelous message out of some of these scriptures as well. I'm just gonna kind of coattail on what he had said a few Sundays nights ago but as I begin to study and I look through the book of Colossians in my life I always find myself amazed at the depth of that book and the book of Colossians has become one of my favorite books uh, that I study more than anything here lately it's been something I've been going to for some time just because of the depthness of it I love picking it apart I guess a person could take the first chapter of Colossians alone and you could uh, preach month after month after month on different topic after topic Topic after topic, and you would really never run out of sermon material. In the in these verses of our text today, out of Colossians chapter 1, the central theme, theme that is usually preached on, on these verses of scripture, is the exalted nature of Jesus Christ. And truly, Christ has an exalted nature. Verse 15 says, who's in the image of the invisible God, he's the firstborn of every creature. Now, first of all, we see that Christ has an exalted nature in this verse because it's says, not only is he the firstborn of every creature, but he's also in the image of the invisible God. The first thing that we need to clarify in this passage, when they use the phrase firstborn of every creature, this is in no way referring to Christ as a creature or even that he was born at any time first. He's not the head of a monkey because he's the firstborn of a monkey. He's not the head of a snake because he's the firstborn of a snake. He's not the head of a cow because he's the firstborn of a cow. However, neither is he the head of a human or head of a man because he's the firstborn of a man. But we must realize that the word firstborn means that he was preeminent. This means that he has the preeminence over us, which means he's the first in rank. The scripture is saying that Jesus Christ is the first in rank to every creature. In other words, every creature has to submit to him. He has every creature under subjection to the almighty power of Jesus Christ, including mankind. Can I have an amen? Any other teaching than this would take away the deity of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He never was born in his divine nature. He never was born as God. He was, he is, and he always will be the son of the living God. Can you give him praise? Verse 16 and 17, says, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible, invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or power, all things were created by him and they were created for him. And he is before all things and by him all things consist. Now this is why John wrote in John chapter 1 to verse 1 through 3, he says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the same was in the beginning with God and all things were made by him and without him there was not anything made that was made. And we know what the word is because he tells us who and what the word is in verse 14. That word became flesh, dwelt among us and we beheld his glory as the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So it was Jesus Christ. So we can say in the beginning was Jesus and Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. Jesus was the same in the beginning with God. All things were made by Jesus and without Jesus there was not anything made that was made. Do you understand who Jesus Christ is today? The fact is the heaven and the earth were made by him and with him all things were created. There is nothing that's been created that he did not have his hands in creating it. You see the firstborn is just an expression that comes from from a Greek term which means begotten before all creation and the word begotten means in the actual translation the only one of his kind so jesus was the only one of his kind before creation there is none like him he is not like what the jehovah witness describes him to be they say there was a time that jehovah god was alone in the universal space in other words they believe that there was a time that Jesus did not exist and that he was not eternal. The Jehovah Witness say that Jesus Christ is not one God with the Father and the Holy Spirit is not a person but it, not he, is nothing more than a description of the active invisible force of God. They say that Satan is the originator of the Trinity doctrine. They believe that Jesus was just the first creative son that Jehovah created and that Jehovah had. And that he represents just one of the many sons of God that Jehovah had brought forth. They believe that the Holy Spirit is not a person with feelings or emotions or a will, but the Holy Spirit is nothing more than the manifested active energy of God. But let me stop right here and declare that let me tell you what the palace of praise believes and declares, let me make it clear that Jesus Christ is not only the son of the living God but Jesus Christ is God. Can I have an amen? He's the only one and true and eternal living God. There is none like him. He is Messiah. He is Prince of Peace. He's everlasting Father. And the government is upon his shoulders. Jesus Christ is Lord. And one of these days, every knee's going to bow. Every tongue's going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He is King of kings. He is Lord of lords. There's none like him. Him, there is none that can match him. He's the only one of his kind. He is eternal. He is holy. He is mighty. He is awesome. Can you stand and can you give Jesus Christ praise? Hallelujah. Yes. We praise you, Almighty Lord. Woo! Ha! Huh? Uh, somebody needs to praise him in this house. Hallelujah! Ha! Huh? To He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. Omnipresent. He's everywhere at all times. He's omnipotent, he's all-knowing, he's got all knowledge, he's omnipotent, he's all-powerful, almighty, supreme, most high, he's a preeminent God, hallelujah. No wonder the angels after seeing him and describing him and declaring him in the book of Revelations as they looked upon his faith, in face in Revelations 4, 8 and 9, and the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within. And the rest, they rest night, day or night, saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts gave glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, they said, He who liveth forever and ever and ever. Hallelujah. <laughs> Don't tell me he's not a God and don't tell me he's not eternal. He is Lord God Almighty who sitteth upon the throne who liveth forever and ever and ever and ever according to the servant, his angels. Jesus is only that which is and that which is to come but he was also that which was. He has always been. He's always existed. He did not become into existence. He did not become the son of God, but he has always been the son of God in eternity's past. Before Abraham was, he said, I am. This is why the prophet Micah wrote about his birth and his coming to be the ruler over Israel. In Micah 5 and 2, but thou Bethlehem Euphrates, though they be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of these shall become forth unto thee that is to be the ruler of Israel. This and who he describes him to be, whose going forth has been from old and from everlasting. Here come a little babe wrapped in swaddling clothes that was born in Bethlehem's manger. And yet the prophet says when you look at him, he came from old, from everlasting but he just seems to be a child it doesn't matter, it just seems like that he was just a babe, an infant but in that little wrapped up cra- cradle was more than an infant, there laid a king that had dwelt before eternity ever had happened he was the son of the living God laying there, wrapped and incarnated in human flesh speaking of Melchizedek son of Bahia. <laughs> I feel the Holy Ghost. Woo! <laughs> Hallelujah! I feel his presence here today. Speaking of Melchizedek, and this is why the writer said in Hebrews 7 and 3, in comparing his priesthood to Jesus Christ, he said, your priesthood is like who Jesus is who's without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God. You abide as a priest forever. Hallelujah! Jesus himself said in Revelations 22, 13, I am the alpha, I am the omega, I am the beginning, I am the end. Hallelujah. I'm everything from A to Z. Jesus prayed to his father while he was in his human flesh as the son of God in John chapter 27, verse five, and this is what he said. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thy own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Hallelujah. Jesus existed before the worlds were ever formed. As a matter of fact, the prophetic word went out and said Jesus was the lamb of God that was slain before the foundations of the world. He not only is and he not only has been, he always was, he always will be the very literal son of God. There's no changing that. With Mary, when she was troubled about the salutation of the angels that told her that she should give birth to a son, the angel comes to comfort her, the angel Gabriel, in the, and says in Luke chapter one, verse 35, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the high shall overshadow thee, and, the, and that holy thing which shall be born in you shall be called the Son of God. It was Joseph that was told. You shall call his name Emmanuel, which is interpreted God with us. Hallelujah. First John 4, verse 14 and 15, and we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him and he in him. Nowhere else in the word of God do you see scriptural evidence that Jesus at any given time was ever born but one time, and that was through his what? Human nature. The word firstborn is used again throughout the scriptures. Even in this chapter, when it talks about his resurrection, listen to what Colossians 1.18 says. And he is the head of the body, Jesus. He's the head of the body, the church, that speaks of his lordship, that speaks of his preeminence. He's the preeminent one. He is the head of the body who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. There he is again. That in all things he might have the preeminence, However, this phrase, firstborn, still means nothing more than the first in rank, even in this passage. It means that he has the dominion and all authority, and he is the first in rank, that he himself is the preeminent one. He surpasses all others, and there's none like him. If the term being the firstborn from the dead meant that he was the first one that ever came up out of the grave, then the word of God would be a lie. There were many resurrections in the Old Testament and in the New Testament alike. Lazarus, for example, in the New Testament, came out of the grave after being dead for four days before Christ ever died and went to the tomb. There are many places where people were raised from the dead in the word of God before Jesus ever raised from his grave. Moses was seen on the Mount Transfiguration. He was raised from his grave. We know he was buried because God buried him himself before Christ ever died. That word firstborn then means that Christ was in charge or he was the one in command of the event. In other words, Lazarus may have come forth, but the difference between him and Jesus is Lazarus came forth out of the grave before Christ, but he did not come out by his own power. Jesus declared in John 11 and 25, I am the resurrection and I am the life. And he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live hallelujah anything else would take away his divine nature or his deity in the Old Testament the firstborn in the family was an heir and he was the lord of all of the estate don't sound fair I was the baby of the family if we were living in biblical terms I would have no inheritance of my parents whatsoever my oldest brother would have got it Thank God we changed. Matter of fact, they didn't get any of the inheritance I got at all. You know the story about Esau and Jacob and how that Jacob tried to cheat Esau out of the birthright so that he could have the inheritance, so they could own it all, it'd be all his. In the Old Testament, we see that there was struggles throughout trying to give the birthright to the eldest son on many occasions. But the word firstborn is the closest word that the translator could use in order to show you Christ's preeminence. He owns it all. He's Lord. He's master. He's sovereign. Hebrews 1 and 2 says, God in these last days has spoken to us by his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, but also who made he the, he the worlds. Hallelujah. Not only did he create them, but he became the heir of them. He died and he rose again and he is the heir of God. Everything that exists belongs to Jesus Christ. Not only is he creator of all things, but he's the heir of all things. Now that we see that Christ is the heir of all things, this means that he is Lord of all. He owns it all. He's the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He's God above all gods, Lord above all lords. He has all power in heaven and in earth. Not only is he the creator of all things, but he, by him all things consist. The Bible tells us in verse 17, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. The world doesn't only exist in their beings or their order by creation, but they consist in the order of dependence upon him as well. In other words, not only could the elements of the earth not create themselves, yet they cannot continually to exist without him. Can I have an amen? Amen. Everything created cannot stay created without him because nothing can exist apart from who he is. Oh, hallelujah. Are you getting that? Anything that is not attached to Jesus will not last because he and he alone is eternal. Acts 17 and 28 when it's talking about us. It is in him that we live and we move and we have our being. Everything's dependent upon him to be sustained and to continue to exist. But why is it we get saved and all of a sudden we have this great dependency upon him for salvation then after we get saved, it's like we don't need him anymore. Not only are we saved by him, but we exist and we stay saved by him. Can I have an Amen. He's not only Lord of creation, but he's Lord over creation. I love that. That's why the disciples looked and marveled when they were out in the storm, and they said, what kind of manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea shall obey his voice? Oh, hallelujah. What kind of man can walk up to a tomb and say, Lazarus! Come forth, and a dead man comes walking out. Oh, somebody tell me what kind of Lord we serve here today. Who can stretch his hands over the blinded eyes, and boom, they pop open again. Who can speak a word and the lame begin to walk? Come on, somebody. I'm talking about Jesus. I'm talking about our Savior. I'm talking about the Lord, the Lord over creation. Ha! Huh? He isn't just creator, but he's also sustainer of all the earth. That's why the psalmist said in Psalms 24 and 1, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, for the world and all they that dwell therein. So this tells me that the Lord has everything under control. And things are going to happen just the way they said it's going to happen. And he's in charge. I'll say it again in Colossians 1:16 and 17. For by him were all things created They're in heaven and then in the earth, visible, invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he's before all things. And by him all things consist. So what things are looking bad? They're looking ugly. They're looking horrible. Everything may have not been done according to his liking or ultimately to his will. But they're still under his control and they're still under his rule. You say, oh, you Brother Miller, what do you mean? God's going to have his way. No, he's not. If it's the, if the will of God would be performed, all men would be saved, but all men are not going to be saved. If God's will was here, I want to tell you there'd be no abortion. Oh, somebody hard to get on my bandwagon there. I'm trying to help somebody. If God's will was performed, there wouldn't be young teenagers dying of drug overdose. There wouldn't be suicides. Come on, if God's will was being performed, but even though it's not performed yet, he still rules, he still reigns, he's still gonna bring it all to a close. Everything may not be to his liking, but he will bring about his will before it's in. He will allow his will to be accomplished through the church. You see, I read where it says that every throne and every dominion, principality and power were created by him and for him. And sometimes God lets evil prevail in order to teach us a lesson because that's what we've invited. When Israel wanted a king, he said, you don't need a king. I'll be your king. I'm King Jesus, but we want an earthly king, one we can see, not one that's invisible, one that we can touch, one that we can relate to. Don't always want things that you can relate to. You may not like it after you get it. So they get a king, and look what happened to them under that king. It wasn't God's will for them to have a king. He wanted to be their king. Can I have an amen? So sometimes God's will is not always performed. But he shuts doors that no man can open and he opens doors that no man can shut. He rises up, he tears down, he pulls apart, he puts together. Come on. Everything is working to God's plan. God is not surprised, he's not caught off guard in what's going on in the church world of America today. And can I tell this body today with faith and with confidence that Jesus is Lord of all, he's Lord over all, he's gonna take care of us. But the real question is, are we allowing him to be Lord over our life and over our homes? We say we want the results of the lordship of Jesus, but a lot of us don't want him to be Lord over our life. We want the benefits and the blessing without carrying the burden. Does he have the preeminence in our life? If not, he will over our lives to come and he's given us a chance. We can either take control of our lives ourselves and let the circumstances play out and we can fall into his hands at the end and face judgment. Or we can allow him to take control of our lives and allow his will to operate through us and receive the reward of our works and service that we've done for him. Which one you want? there's one thing that we need never to forget and that is that we were created for God. Did you know that you were created for God and his purpose? Romans 8, 28, we quote it all the time and we know that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord and to them who love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. You see, all things are not working together for good for all people because all have not realized that they are created according according to his purpose. If you are a child of God, then your life is not your own. You are bought with a price. You are redeemed. You are His. Pur- you are redeemed for His purpose. Our life is to be hid in Christ, and in order for us to find life, we have to lose our life. We're not saved unto ourselves, but from ourselves. We were the problem in the first place, and our salvation freed us from ourselves. And now we're not saved to do whatever we want, but we're saved for him to do as he pleases through us. And even though that we were created to love and to serve God, yet the fall of man caused the sin nature to come into existence, and then we were born into sin. We were created and fashioned for God, but God in the flesh, but we were born in the flesh as tyrants and unholy and unthankful and disobedient and as children of wrath. I was created and fashioned in the womb according to Jeremiah by God. But by the time the sin nature got a hold of me, I come out flawed. And Even though the sin nature robbed us of our original intent that we were created for, and even though we seized power over our own lives without legal right, and we claimed our life as our own, yet thanks be unto God. Look at all the sins that's taking place in America right now. Watch their excuse. It's my right, it's my body, it's my life. I'm sorry, it's not either. Amen. And even though we have claimed the hope of our own body as our own right and our own life, Yet thanks be to God for our ability to be born again through salvation in Jesus Christ and we can be freed from our lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life that holds us captive and enslaved. Now that we're born again, we are redeemed, we're purchased, we're bought back, we're restored to the original intent for that which we were created for. We were not saved for ourselves but for God. Now because of the new birth, we are able to live for what we were created for. We weren't created to live unto ourselves, but we were created so that God may live his life through us. Now, to those of us that are saved, we are saved so that Christ can live his life out through us as well. God did not create us so that we could share ourselves with him, but he created us so he could share himself with us. You ain't got nothing to offer, God. And I want to tell you, there's nothing here he already have. Amen? That's why Galatians two twenty says, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. And when he says I'm crucified with Christ, when I say that, I'm crucified with Christ, Christ, that means Kent no longer exists. I'm dead. Dead men have no rights. Kent Miller is crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Not I, but Christ liveth within me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who died and gave himself for me. I'm not living my life. I'm living, hopefully, I'm allowing him to live his life through me. We don't have anything to offer him anyway. Everything in us that brings glory to him is from him in the first place. If there's any good thing in me, he's the one that owned it first, fashioned it, clothed it, and worked his will in me. The only good in me is Jesus inside of me. Can I have an amen? In my flesh dwelleth no good thing when your flesh is trying to make you have common sense come on instead of spiritual sense if it sounds so right because it's carnal and the carnal teaching to the ear is very seductive, charming seems right but in your flesh dwelleth no good thing my intent might be well my desire may want to do right but in my flesh there's nothing good Even my heart, according to the scripture, is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? Everybody says, well, just follow your heart. You better not. There's a lot of things your heart can trick you into. God without us is still God, but us without him, we're nothing. What a trade. I give myself to him, and then he turns around and gives himself to me. Woo! I think I win in that battle. I give my sin and he imparts to me his righteousness. For by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, by one man's obedience many were made righteous. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21, for he hath made him to be sin for us who do no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God. I give him my inability and he gives me his ability. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. But Paul said, he said, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. I give him my weakness, he gives me his strength. It was the apostle Paul that said in 2 Corinthians 12 and 10, therefore I take pleasure in my infirmities and my reproaches and my necessities and my persecution and my distress. This is for Christ's sake for when I am weak I am strong this is why that Paul said I must decrease so that he might increase to those of us that are in Christ he has it all worked out he has it all planned he has it all finished he's got a design for our lives he's got a predestined promise hang on hang on stay dead he'll work his plan in your life Why do we fret? Why do we fear? Why do we get bent out of shape over the smallest things when he is the Lord of our lives? The war's already been won. The war was won 2,000 years ago when Jesus was nailed to the cross and he said these words, it is finished It's done. I give my hurt to him. He gives me his healing. I give my disappointment to me. He gives me his comfort. I give him my rejection. He gives me his approval. Even his spirit bears witness with my spirit. Then I'm a child of God. I give him my hatred. He gives me his love. The love of God is shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Spirit. I give him my filthiness, he gives me his holiness. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sin be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow, though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. I give him my failure, he gives me his faithfulness. If we are faithless, he is still faithful because he cannot deny himself. I give him my heart, he gives me himself. Hallelujah. To as many as received him, to him gave he the power to become the sons of God. We're heirs of God and joint heirs of Jesus. Jesus Christ, hallelujah. Now I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. I am his place of dwelling, his place of residing, giving me the hope of glory. I am bought with a price, therefore I will glorify God in my body and my spirit, which are God's. Psalms 27 and one says, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life, and whom shall I be afraid? I'm safe in him, I'm secure in him, I'm succored by him, I am, uh, he's my shield, my buckler, my fortress, my high tower, of whom shall I be afraid? He will never leave me, he'll never forsake me, he's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother, how can I fail, how can I not succeed, how can I not win, how can I not obtain, how can I not go forward with Christ inside of me? If God be for me, who can be against me? I am made more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. I love what John 10, verse 29 and 30 says. My Father who's given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hands. And I and my Father are one. And surely as I'm God's chosen possession, then surely he's the guard of my life, the protector. He seals me with his Holy Spirit of promise. And since he's my creator, then he knows me like no other knows me. And it is him also that sustains me, keeps me, works his good will inside of me. He knows my ups. He knows my downs. He knows my coming in. He knows my going out. He knows what makes me. He knows what breaks me. He knows my temperament, my personality, my likes, my dislikes. He knows my strengths. He knows my weaknesses. He knows my load limit. He will not allow me to be tempted or tried more than I'm able to bear. If needful, he will send his holy angels to bear me up lest I dash the foot against the stone. He knows the way I go. He knows my failure. He knows my weaknesses. He knows my strength. He knows my possibilities. He knows my future. He knows my past. Everything about me, he knows. He knows everything of my, everything Thought that I think he knows every every good thing of, of, inside of me he knows every bad thing inside of me and there's no set setting for me to sit around and fret and try to change it all all I got to do is die and let him work his good pleasure inside of me I am not going to be able to fight this fight it's not my fight to fight he just says die out to me kid let me have preeminence of your life let me live my life through you I'll take your life it is finished it's done and before it's over I I'll make sure that the things that I desire to bring forth in your life shall be accomplished. He knows the way I go. He not only knows my outward parts, he knows even the inward intent of my heart. In Ephesians 2, and I'll close with this, verse 11 and 12, and whom also we have obtained an inheritance. Say, we have obtained an inheritance. Being predestinated, that scares people right there. Being predestinated. According to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. Let me analyze that for you a minute. According to the apostle Paul, those of us that are born again are predestined to fulfill God's purpose in our lives after the counsel of his own will. The only way you can fulfill God's, God's purpose for your life is to obey the counsel of his will. It's that simple, isn't it? Mama told you, get up and get her a a glass of tea to fulfill her will. You got to get up and get her a glass of tea. Why is it that we think it's different with God? The way that you fulfill God's will for your life is to obey the counsel of his will. This means that we are predestined to fulfill the will of God for our lives as we follow his will, not our will which in return will bring praise and glory to his name. This is how we bring glory to God. Someone asked me, do you believe in predestination? I sure do. Not the way the world believes in it. The world tell you, some of you were predestined to go to heaven, some of you were predestined to go to hell. That's a lie. Some will just tell you, you were predestined to either make it or you were predestined to be doomed. Some will tell you, no, you're predestined to... That your, your predestination means that everybody's going to be saved. One, I, I went to a chiropractor one time, and he sent me down. He said, "What's your belief about hell?" And I said, "Well, it's certainly a place." And I, he said, "Oh no," he said, "Yeah, that's that's for the devil and the angels that are fallen." I said, "Yeah," and then he said, "But you know, God, when He made man, He predestined them all to go to heaven. So it doesn't matter when Jesus paid the price on Calvary, whether you accept Him or not. Jesus' sacrifice was good enough for everybody. Everybody's going to go to heaven because they're they're predestined to go there." I looked at him, I said, then why is it that he's predestined to everybody else but not the angels? Well, 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 well they're not human. You mean, don't he love his messengers? Don't he love us all the same? Come on, somebody. How do I believe in predestination? If my life remains dead in Christ and my life is hid in him, then I am predestined to fulfill his will because it isn't me living my life in him, it's him living his life in me. Therefore, I am predestined at that moment to be conformed in the image of the Son of God. He's gonna make sure that who sits on the seat of my heart. Trials cannot stop me. Storms cannot stop me. Problems cannot stop me. People cannot stop me. Circumstances Can't stop me. Money or a lack thereof can't stop me. Temptation can't stop me. The color of my skin can't stop me. The age that I live cannot stop me. Powers cannot stop me. Rulers of darkness can't stop me. The devil can't stop me. Demons can't stop me. Hell can't stop me. Things present can't stop me. Things to come can't stop me. Things on earth can't stop me. Things above the earth can't stop me. Things underneath the earth can't stop me. Me. I am predestined by God I am dead, Christ in me shields me, protects me he's my guard, he's my fortress, he's my buckler he's my shield, he's my almighty God and no matter what comes against me, though they come in like a flood, he'll raise up a standard against them there's no weapon formed against me that shall prosper, I am sealed, I am protected, I'm held, I'm graven in the palms of his hands, I in him and he delights in me I'm safe I'm eternally secure in Jesus Christ hallelujah I believe in eternal security as long as I stay the only person that can goof it up is me You can't stop me. I get tickled. All these people tell you why they backstab. Well, the preacher. Preacher didn't have nothing to do with it. Well, mama used to drag us to church and just made us sick of church. What lame excuses. If you're not in Christ this morning. It's because your flesh is dictating you you're not dead in Christ. You made your own choice and you'll rot with it. Can I have an amen? But I'm going to enjoy the journey. Come hell or high water. Yeah, but look what's coming. Oh, I got tickled. I've said it a lot of times. When my pastor was dying, they thought he was dying at the time, it didn't happen. Like they said, said, you're dying. Barnes Hospital said, there's not a thing we can do for you. He just laughed and was jolly and prayed, br- Wilkie, you're not listening to us. You're lost hanging on by a thread. Yeah, I know, but I know who's got the hold of the other end of the thread. Come hell or high water, hardships, diversities, whatever happens. I'm secure in Christ. Nothing shall separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. It's settled. I am his and he is mine.
0: And hell itself can't take that away from me. Would you stand with me this morning?